Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my new friend, Mr. Gary Lashmar, on with us today. Gary, how you doing, my friend? Doing good, man. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's earlier for you than it is for me, isn't it? <laughs> it is a bit early. This is uh, for sure in the two years I've been doing my podcast, the earliest. I'm not complaining. I'm up anyway, but this is my my bright and early podcast as exhibited by the wonderful light that you are experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> You look great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, can you give uh, a quick introduction to the listeners into who you are? Yes, yeah, so my name is Gary. Um, so from the from London, the UK. I've been a photographer for well since birth. Really, it feels like no, no. <laughs> Probably well from from the age of about nine or ten. I've got my first camera, but I'm fifty now. Fifty two. And I've been taking photographs pretty much full on, like almost like um, as an obsession, I would have thought, since the age of about 29, I think. Mm-hmm. Before that, on and off for years, like I get a new camera and then I wouldn't take photographs. Then I'll take photographs, I get into it as a, a, a little bit of a mini craze. Then I'd leave it for a few years and I'll pick up, you know, I'll get back into it. Um, but pretty much full stop since the age of about, 29 although that's a long time ago now (laughs) but in terms of making money from photography and uh, like making a living from photography a little bit uh, it's a little bit more recent so the last 12 years okay so from the age of about 39 40 um i've been making money it's like it's my i make all any money that i do make is made from photography yeah oh i fucking love that gary uh as a person who two years ago during the pandemic lost his job um, was completely rudderless in what he wanted to do or who he wanted to be with his life. Um, photography came to me at that point, and it's been the greatest gift of my life since. I'm, I've been a full-time photographer for two years. Um, I can't say I've made that much money. It's been a, it's been a slow go, um, but I'm, I'm incredibly uh, appreciative for the journey. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 37 in, in a week or two weeks, and uh, – sort of a very linear, similar path, which uh, gives me a lot of hope to hopefully be sitting where you are one day, 20 years from now. Um, But talk to me a little bit about your journey. So, you know, you're in your late 20s. um, And uh, what was it about photography that uh, sort of bit you and and made you fall in love with it? Well, it was, I'd always had a, uh, I'd always been, um, I hope it don't sound pretentious, but I'd always been, kind of a little bit artistic from well in terms of like what 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 uh, what I was interested in from a young age I wasn't very good at I wasn't very good at those subjects at school maths english geography history but I was always I was always um into art so I was always, I was always um I was always drawing I wasn't ever that good at it but it was always a thing that I love to do. So, but photography, um, on and off from a young age. But let's let's get this straight from the outset. Really, in terms of it benefiting me um, and my growth as a photographer, in terms of getting to the this, um, the stage that I'm at now, for what it's worth, you know, in terms of um, my uh, level of uh, how good I am now as a photographer, um, which is not for me to say, obviously, but 
it, it's uh, I would say really from the uh, I, let's just say I picked up a camera from the first time really when I was about thirty four. Okay. Yeah, that that's really about the age, and basically that's when I bought really bought my first like real camera, which was what we're still, we're still film here though. I'm still shooting film here. Love it. So this uh, it was a Nikon. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I remember going into. I remember my friend Stuart bought a camera, and I was fiddling around with his and seeing the pictures he was getting. I was just thinking. I can take better photographs than that. <laughs> Remember, we've no we've no smartphones back then with cameras on. You don't know you're 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 you don't know you're a good photographer or a terrible photographer, or whatever. Sure. Back then, there was nothing. There was nothing to to pick up. Mm-hmm. Now you've always got a camera camera close to hand. Um. So and then still slowly though, and then I had a camera, put it down for a bit, but it was I was taking I was I was taking more and more photographs. I tell you the, the reality of it is it was when digital kicked in and I had an old Canon Rebel, a 60D, I think I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. And I'll the you call it the old Canon Rebel. It was one of the first digital cameras that was kind of um you could take a decent a half decent photograph with this thing. Mm-hmm. And I was I was one of those for the and for the next sort of five, six years, I was one of those annoying guys at weddings. <laughs> Who, who wasn't the actual photographer, but I, I was kind of just waiting for the bar to open, really, so I could have a drink. But before that, I would take a whole bunch of photographs. So now you're, you're talking, this, like, I mean, still picking up a camera, uh, putting it down, picking up a camera, putting it down, again, for the next few years. The age of about 37 Coincidentally, I there I was at a few weddings. I was at more weddings over a two-year period than I perhaps would have been the previous ten years. Mm-hmm. Maybe about six or seven weddings. Social media was just springing up. Facebook was like only like two or two years old, three years old, mm-hmm. I think. Maybe a little bit older than that, but it was very much in its infancy. And what would happen? By the way, you have to shut me up with these things because I'll just waffle on. No, please waffle on. Yeah, yeah. So That's basically, the idea. I got. I would be at the wedding. I'd be at a wedding, and I—I I was also getting into shooting a little bit of video. I've been working for an investment bank for like the previous ten years. I wasn't an analyst. Don't worry. I, I was—I was in—I worked in multimedia. Okay. Um, so I had access to equipment. So I would be—I would—I got into making like like mini short films. Nothing fancy. We never took it took into any festivals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just, just I was doing. I started doing music videos for bands, friends, really. Again, no one famous. Just, just like really, sort of, just to do it. Terrible stuff, really. <laughs> looking back, I mean, there was five, six seconds here and there that had promise, but pretty much it wasn't that good. And then, and then I remember being. I was shooting these weddings. Uh, so, oh, definitely wasn't shooting weddings. I was a guest at these weddings, and I'd have the old rebel, the old Canon rebel. And I just remember, like, they'd share my stuff on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just remembered that. I, 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 sorry, I just remember that from this from this vantage point. And then I was like, oh, like I would give them like after the, I would give them like the old disc with about fifty images on it as my little gift to them. And then 
I remember I, I was at this wedding and there was this there was this um, American. Her name was Julia Boggio. Um, I'll never forget her. And she was shooting my friend Claire and Simon's wedding in Richmond in, Lo in London, just on the outskirts of London, posh London. And it was a kind of wedding that I never usually quite often went to as a, as a guest. I'm, I'm working class and the weddings that I went to. But even later on, when I started shooting weddings, I don't shoot the kind of weddings I used to go to as a guest. <laughs> the weddings I shoot are quite high end. Yeah. The weddings I used to go to, it was basically, they were sort of making it up on the day pretty much. Yeah. Know? Anyway, but I shot this wedding and I just remembered, I, I remember I hadn't seen, there was no internet as such. Well, there was, but it was... Some people had it, you know, some people didn't. And um, this was just be this was before the kind of Facebook thing that I was talking about. And she and I just noticed uh, she had jeans on for a start and she just looked really cool. And I was just watching her and I, I was the, the annoying guy again. I said, but she was quite I was asking her questions and she was quite sweet about it. And she was like, oh, God, you know, I, I, she didn't want to upset anybody. So she was asking my I was just twitting her in a way, you know. And then I noticed, and then flash forward after the, well, I went to Claire and Simon's house for dinner. This must have been about four months later. Again, I sent them a little disc and they had my images up on the wall. Hmm. And I was like, ah, oh. I was like, well, let me have a look at the photographs of the wedding. And I saw, they said, well, they, they said, go on her website. There's a gallery there. Save us getting them down because they bought an album. They just go. So I went on there. And um, I could see what she was trying to do. Like, oh, so I'm thinking, oh, this is what she was trying to do on the wedding day, but she just can't quite pull it off. Mm -hmm. And then I caught myself having that thought. And then I saw what she was charging, and I knew that I'm not the most confident person in the world with anything else in my life, as maybe as a father in relationships, at school. or But with photography... I've never had a second voice. Hmm. I, I don't. I don't compare which is, myself. I've never, which is just so counterintuitive to most. <laughs> yeah, but it's not an effort, John. This is the thing. It's not. Like people can say, "Oh, wow, how do you do that?" I think it was a mixture of me coming to. I've been shooting early. I've been shooting before social. There wasn't a comparison. You'd have to pay to compare yourself to get feedback. Mm -hmm. So, and I was too old. I was kind of 38, 39. I didn't really care what people thought. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'm sitting there, I'm looking, and then I saw, and I, and I, in an instant, I thought, I'm better than her. Mm -hmm. I, and, and then what I do, I'll never do this, but I saw she had links to other photographers, wedding photographers. I mean, God bless her. I'd never do that. Put links <laughs> to other on yeah. my website, and it took me to the states. Uh, a guy called Sean Flanagan, who, who later became a friend of mine. Long story, but he was just like he—he was—he was a—he was a, a, an artistic, documentary stroke portrait port, portrait photographer, who happened to be shooting weddings. Mm -hmm. He wasn't like a lot of people who shoot weddings. They kind of didn't just—they just, just kind of didn't make it in fashion, or they didn't make it in back in the day. Mm -hmm. But this guy, he'd chosen to be a wedding. I, I did a little bit of research when I went home. He'd chosen to be a wedding photographer because that's where the, the money was. Mm -hmm. And and I, I saw that the guys in America and Australia, uh, actually, were like six in that industry. Weddings were six, seven years ahead of us. Mm -hmm. So I'll just run with it. 
and then I just I, I just I left my job. I thought I thought what you were saying about your job. I actually thought of losing your job. It was a bit different for me. I didn't lose it. I I, I planned it, but I thought I'd take a massive cut in wages for a few years. But I didn't. I made more. I made double the money I was making at the bank. Wow. Within two years, within two years, which was a surprise. It wasn't any degree of business acumen. Yeah. It was just luck. Mm -hmm. So the way that I was shooting, John, there was no one. Sh there was probably, well, in hindsight, there was probably about maybe 25, 30 people shooting like that in the country. I saw that two, three years later. But in my immediate, you know, the people that I started to know, everyone was looking to me so i was shooting i was shooting weddings for editors of wedding magazines and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so so you take your street and documentary style and artistic flair and I'm, I'm a street photographer right this is this is this is how lynette and i became friends and claudette have become because um with with the the the, the street whole street photography thing my default setting is I'm a street photographer. Mm -hmm. So what I started practicing from about the age of 38, 39 and not knowing what I was doing, I didn't, I didn't know about street photography. I hadn't even heard of like Henry Cartier-Bresson then. I hadn't even heard of, of, of those, him. Sure. Uh, um, uh, you, you know, it, it, um, was I was practicing street photography. I'd go out two, three times a week and practice street photography. And obviously, now of course it's like if you're if your line in the sand is here in street photography, like in terms of your comfort zone, mm -hmm. at a wedding when you're expected to take photographs, can you imagine like I was just like my camera's like this close at a wedding. Yeah. I mean, it's quite close anyway on the streets. So if you can push your ear in street photography and really come up against your uh, your comfort zone on a wedding, you still want to come up against your comfort zone in that regard, but you're just coming up with magic. You're creating magic. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. That's what I was leaning towards because what I would imagine is you take your street and documentary eye, right? Your your acumen for getting, uh, I, I call it like the song and the dance, right? So like your acumen for being able to like anticipate how people move, how people interact with their environments uh, in a city setting. And then you're able to sort of implement that into your job as a wedding photographer. So you take that eye, you take that artistic ex expression and are able to then flip it on its head for something that would ordinarily be, you know, a very classic sort of day. Yes, with totally with street photography. Like for weddings for me, a wedding for me is in two parts. Is it worth going? It maybe dig into this a little bit. So for me, a wedding is 95% street photography, uh -huh. documentary, observational, candid, whatever you want to call it. Um, I always get mixed up with because there's all these terms they have, don't they? So there's documentary, and then they have photo, not photojournalism, all that stuff. I, 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 Sorry, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I call it documentary. And, yeah. Photographs of people without their permission. Sure, just call it that. Street photography. Um, 
There's another part of a wedding day, which is the bride and groom portraits mm -hmm. that up until around about 15 years ago, were just taken a certain way. They were staged there. And what I did, I wasn't a portrait photographer, but I fell in love with the portrait side of things. So I learned to, I learned about, uh, it, I, I just became so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've shot a lot of portraits in the last 15 years where the portraits that I shoot, like I'll teach, I teach that shooting portraits. So for me, I was bringing, oh, I ended up shooting wedding portraits that were kind of a little bit more fashion based. Mm hmm and really turning them on its head. Like now, it's a lot more competitive. Everyone's, everyone's, there's some great wedding photographers out there, you know, and portrait photographers who have come into weddings and that kind of thing. So it went too far. So there was the, the street photography, but then I had to bring something else to the table was about nailing portraits, um, which I've still kind of not done, but it's, it's, it's about moving in that direction. And um, so for the last 12 years, I'm, I've kind of, I, I, I'm in and out. I'm always, I'm never lost, lose my passion for the click ever, whatever I'm shooting. It's mm -hmm. photography all the way to the grave for me. But um, uh, within, like genres within that genre, it, it's kind of, I'm, I'm in and out of different things. Mm -hmm. You really underpins everything. Yeah. You were you were recently in New York. Tell me about your trip and uh, give me a little bit of insight into what your street photography process is like. What are you looking yeah. for? What catches your eye? What is it that you're looking for when you're you know strolling around New York City? Yeah, um, well, New York first. I visited a couple of times before. The first time I was shooting a wedding in Rhode Island and. We we then we hit Boston and then drove to New York, and then or was that the second? It doesn't matter. So one of those trips was that. Another time was a surprise gift from my uh, from my ex Claudia, little Jessie's mum, who you saw in there, and she'd done a, a surprise gift for me. And I didn't. I wasn't really shooting a lot of street photography then. The second time, a little bit. The first time I was drinking as well. I don't drink now. I was like, I was drinking. So the whole thing was just bars and drinking. Um, pretending we were sort of seeing New York, you know. And then the second time, I didn't really, I, I was kind of more of a relaxed visit as well because I've just been working and that kind of thing. Shot a little bit of street photography, loved it. But this time was really, and although I went with um, my girlfriend Katie, it was still, um, I got a lot of street photography done because I originally was planning to do, perhaps put on a workshop in New York. Mm -hmm. But post-COVID, I just felt a little bit, I don't know. Everyone would have, I think all my friends out there would have been great with it. I just felt a little bit, it would have been a little bit maybe arrogant doing that. I don't know. I just didn't feel right. And 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 also going with Katie. So we had to, but she knew I was going to be shooting street photography as well. So it was all good. I just, um, I love New York. Straight off the bat, I will say I find it a lot easier to shoot in New York than London. Is that like a law perspective? Because I know London's weird about that kind of no, shit. No, no, right? the law's fine. Oh, okay. The law's fine in London. It's open season in London. Okay. You can do whatever you like. Got it. Pretty much. I mean, there's private areas, not that many. Canary Wharf, 
they'll they're even in Canary Wharf, you get away with it, but you might get the odd security guard coming at you. Sure, sure. But no, London in in that regard, it's the, the same as New York. Okay, fair enough. I just find in New York people don't give a fuck. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. I've always got one eye on the fact that I am an outsider so maybe unconsciously you just give off and people are easier with it i don't know they just sense a tourist even yeah. though i'm a street and i'm semi streetwise because i mean like, and you i will do that in new york like I, I i'm not really you can sense where you can go and where you can't go but i i, I just find it I love New York. I'm, I'm a huge movie fan for starters. And remember, we just grew up, there wasn't an English film industry back in the day as such. So everything we saw in movies was was New York. So for me, it's like walking onto one massive big movie set, mm -hmm. which never dissolves. Even you're there for four days, you still, it's like everywhere you've been, you've seen. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Gary, kind I, of. I live 12 miles and I still feel that way having been there, you know, somewhat weekly yeah. the entire of my life you know what i mean yeah, yeah it's, there's something people, cinematic well, about the city there's something beautiful about it which keeps me coming back to take pictures yeah yeah absolutely i was saying to i met up with claudette while i was out there and and we, we couldn't get to see lynette because she was she was up to something and and my friend josh and not long we had a, like a couple of hours with them and i was talking to him about whilst it's a lot easier I think statistically, I don't know how to put this. Uh, you still got to have your backup because you are more likely <laughs> to come across a lunatic in oh, New York. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> but, now but more so I, than ever. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. But I've all, I'm always kind of wary. And I just loved it. I, I, Somebody said to me the other day, I want to talk to you about planning a trip to New York, my street photography. And I went, well, I, I didn't do any of that. I, I kind of know that I want to, well, I, what I didn't see last time, because there is that as well. I want to eat, I want to eat in this place. I want to visit this place. I wanted to, um, uh, well, it was Katie who wanted to go to Coney Island. As soon as she said Coney Island, I'm like, wow, we've got to do Coney Island. Yeah, fuck yeah. We're in the middle of winter, so so that was kind of a double-edged sword. It was great because there was no one there, but also I would have loved to have been there when there was everybody there. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, it's like, it like being in the Warriors. And then, um, and then, in terms of my approach to street photography, it is quite, it's quite. Not aggressive, but it, it, it's very... I don't shoot from a distance. Yeah. It's... <sighs> I think that's the hardest thing for street photographers to learn is yeah. that, that aspect of getting close. Um, it's a naturally uncomfortable position to be in, like to be able to be invading someone's personal space, whether they are understanding of it or yeah. not. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think... Go ahead. You can't. You can't be a great. I'm not saying I'm a great photographer, but you can't. The, I. I look at what I consider to be great or, or very good photographers. You cannot be. You cannot. Or let's forget about great photography. You cannot take great photographs and always be comfortable. You cannot take great photographs and always get a good night's sleep. You cannot take great photographs and not have a degree of guilt. Hmm. Wow. You can't. It, it, for me, it's like, what am I? What am I willing? Like, I, I. So, for example, one of my favourite photographers, not actually his photography, 
I kind of is for me. I, I like I like is Bruce Gilden. Oh yeah, but as a character, not so much his photography. I like other street photographers like the 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 final product more than his. Like I I think there's a lot of photographers that I love that if they took on his approach, they'll get a lot better photographs than he would. Yeah, much better photographs. Yeah, like he he's. I think people are attracted to his work because of his process. Because yeah. of who gets he up is. Close. Yeah. Like you, you can be a not very, yeah. You can be a not very good photographer or, well, I wouldn't say not. You could be a good photographer. And if you take on a certain way of shooting, like I don't think I'm one of the, I'm like in terms of the photographers I know, some of my like close friends who are photographers, in terms of the technical side of it, they'll wipe the floor with me, mm-hmm. but they're not going to get the shots that I'll get. Right? They just because they're like they just won't. Like I think the degree to which you can like, for example, like people talk about like uh, was it the William Klein quote or or was it no? I don't think it was Klein who said the like if your pictures are not good enough, you're not close enough. Mm-hmm. So that effect. Which is, I think that that is a, is it that that statement. I probably said it wrong. But I, no, I, I think that's a, I think that's accurate actually. But no, yeah, I agree. It, it, I think that's the hardest thing yeah. about street photography is getting that comfort zone and invading someone's personal space. Because as I started as a street photographer, I was fifty mil lens, fucking real far away like i would i I was going through the process of creating images where the subject was just far enough away where they didn't really notice me but i put them in a scene that i thought looked cool because i was too scared to get up there and take it takes practice and what happens though john if you're hesitant and you can't help you're always going to be hesitant i'm hesitant in my comfort zone but at the end of the day, my comfort zone, I've worked on it. I'm always at the edge of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. always. And if I'm shooting for another 20 years, I'll still be at the edge. But my edge, in terms of, like people would say, just starting out, is going to be, you know, in terms of my, like, I, I, I just feel, um, it's not always either. I don't even think it's always like the best photograph is not always close up. It's not, it's not. For me, you use that as almost like a gauge. Like I use that close, that proximity as a gauge of where I'm at. Like, um, like so. Like I actually, I find as well, you can use fear. Hmm. Like use fear as a way of seeing more. Ooh. So what happens? We're out on the streets because it's this fear that keeps it separate. That's what I've seen in my life. It's probably age something to do with it. Like. But I've seen, like, in my life, well, why didn't I do this? But in that situation, I pushed through, and I and I had a better time. Like, I felt, like, I remember more. Well, we remember more when we're there. When we're the the only top, the only things we do remember in our past are when we were present. Mm-hmm. We weren't present, which is that's why we don't remember everything that we've ever done because we're we're rarely present. Mm-hmm. We remember the stuff where we was really scared, and when we was really happy. And quite often, the happy things, the adrenaline things, are as a consequence of pushing through fear. So what I do, I do a workshop based on this. It's called the Dare Photography Workshop. I've been doing it for about 10 years. And the whole workshop is set up to support participants to get on the other side of fear. 
Yeah, but you talk to people about this, and well, well, what's that got to do with photography? Well, well, this is most people. See, this is the thing, right? You see, most people were on this side of fear. Yeah, they've not opened. They don't. They don't know what's on the other side. They talk like they do know. But the thing is, they've all read the book, How to Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, or How to Be Happy in 30 Steps. But they have no idea. It's, that's all intellectual. That's, that's, not, that's not part of the deal. Like, what I've seen is that... Um, let's, do, all right, let's just bring it down to street photography. Then there's a person across the street, say, let's just say where I've been in New York, in Greenwich Village, and they're kind of... And I can see there's a beautiful light spilling out of the spilling from the the um to the right of you know if i hold the camera up and the beauty the what and they're dressed but they're like they just look a little bit like they're in a mood mm-hmm. like a little bit they're not necessarily going to appreciate me coming up and taking a photograph but i don't want to see me not in this frame sometimes i don't mind them looking in the camera but so i know i need to if i'm if i don't get this shot i'm gonna I'm going to be talking to myself for the rest of the day. So I'm, and it's horrible, isn't it? It is horrible, isn't it? It's like, ah, and then you move across. It never gets any easier, ever. You move, and then you get the shot. And how does it feel when you get that shot? It just feels the best. Yeah. What I've seen then, then, is that everything becomes a little bit more vibrant. Everything like I see more, like I'm more in sync with the symmetry of 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 life, I suppose. And that's because I've stopped talking to my I'm not in my head telling myself, well, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't get close. It's only temporary, mm-hmm. but that conversation, that well, it's thinking, it's called, falls away. Yeah. And and then so one of the things that I do when I'm out shooting. I know that I'm, I, I'm, I don't go out for long. I'm out shooting. In New York was a bit longer because I'm in New York. But like, I'll, I'll go out in town in London. I, I don't really want to be shooting for longer than an hour and a half, two hours, mm-hmm. really. So I have to speed up that process of being able to see. So what I do for the first 20 minutes is I do scary shit. Like even, even I, might, I know it's most of the time the images are going to be rubbish. No one's going to see them. But I want to get in people's faces a little bit. And because I, and I'm telling myself, oh, don't do this, don't do it. And then, and then I wake up and then I can start working. All right. So you're going to kind of have to shock the system into being able to sort of like free yourself yeah. to create. That's interesting. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I shoot street photography and Lynette thought I was crazy for this, I listen to music. Do you listen to music? Yeah, yeah. Or are you like just completely plugged into the, to the, the scene and... Yeah, I struggle with that anyway. I mean, I love music. I'm a huge music fan. But even when I'm working at home, and I, I, unless I'm editing images where you can kind of, you've got to be there, but you can kind of, mm-hmm. then I'll do it. But when I'm out on the street, I've got to be a bit careful, like the way that I shoot. So if I'm in Whitechapel and I've got this, I don't know, I've got a, 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 a Nino Morricone track on, yeah? That, or, 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 yeah, yeah, but, but, it's it could lead me into a false sense of security. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. You You're in a bit I'm of a so dodgy like, area. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm in a movie, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> whereas if I'm not plugged in, 
I'm more I'm I'm more in in tune with 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 the heartbeat of what's going on. To be fair, so I'm a big guy. I'm I'm like six one two thirty. Like I'm a big guy, and I don't very often feel unsafe in New York City. You know, it's like people f- try yeah. to fuck with you. Like I would just scream some expletive at them or tell them to fuck off. You know what I mean? Like I'm not yeah. that worried. I have recently been putting the volume of my headphones down considerably because the city's getting a little bit sketchier <laughs> on a monthly basis, um, yeah, yeah. which is an unfortunate byproduct of a million things. Just uh, do it. Just do it until it don't work. <laughs> when it don't work. Um, you mentioned that you started your career shooting film. Um, I'm curious about your artistic process now. Is it mostly digital? Do you still shoot any film? What's that like? No, I haven't shot film for years. Occasionally a few toy cameras, you know, the little Lomos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I've got a load of those and I buy cameras. I bought recently bought a Pentax. Um, it's one of my favourite cameras. One of my favourite English photographers is David Bailey. He shot, um, did this shoot with, with Gene Shrimpton in the 60s in New York, which pretty much changed Vogue. It was like an awesome, it was like really ahead of its time. And he shot with his camera and I, Oh, I, I had I did have one before, but I broke it, um, and I I don't even remember ever using that. But I bought this recently. Like digital, to be honest, I, I spent my whole life waiting for digital to come around. Like if I was in my twenties now, I'd probably be be, be be shooting film probably. Yeah, but I I don't miss that at all. I I don't really. It it is my process. Is um, it's about. It's about the photograph. Well, the process for me is the way that I shoot. So there is there is a degree of that, and I love a new camera as much as the next person. But who doesn't? Uh, is it laziness? I'm a bit obsessive as well. If I get into shooting film, I think when I was shooting film because I had no choice, I always wanted to develop. I always wanted to do my own thing. I did a little bit of that at school years ago, but. I always wanted to do that. I'm obs- like if I like I'm like that. I'm 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 just I have this like if I if I even if I pick up like a um a pen now and do a little drawing. In my mind, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exhibited this one day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like so that. I have to go in the full hog, and it, to me, partly it's too much of a headache. You know, it's... if I get in, I've probably got to build a little dark room, and if I've got to build a <laughs> Then I've got, oh, and then it's going to cost, nah, just stick with the Fujis. So, yeah, well, I love Fuji, but I uh, I shoot all of my shoot photography on film. Um, I, I, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I used to shoot primarily 35 millimeter, and honestly, since becoming friends with Lynette, I have been exclusively shooting on my Hasselblad for like the last six, seven months. Um and wow. it's it's been a beautiful thing for me from an artistic perspective because my process has slowed so much that the pictures that I'm making are so much more intentional and so much better. Um, I'm and I don't develop myself because I'm too fucking lazy. I have no desire to do it. I go to the lab, I drop it off. Three days, I pick it up and it's done. Um, I'm actually after our conversation going to go pick up a few rolls that I shot earlier this week. Um, but there's something about the process to me. Like when I I, I initially started shooting digital um, street photography, first on a 5D Mark IV. Uh, 
bought all the Fujis. I have a big gear acquisition problem where I just fucking buy cameras like like mad. Um, yeah, that, that happens when you're kind of starting out as well a lot. Yeah, I'm yeah. very I'm very set in my uh, in my in my gear ways now. Um, but from from personal project perspective, if it's not commercial work, I typically shoot it on film, and it's just for me to slow down because like I'll go on I'll go to a studio and and shoot a portrait session with a couple models, and I'll shoot two thousand photos, and I'm like, this is just fucking stupid. I, I got it in 200. Why do I have 1,800 more photos to go through? Um, so for me, and it sort of like enables me to be more concise and uh, particular about what I create because I have to slow down and be more mindful. I only have 12 frames. Um, in that Personality as well. What's that? I think it has a lot to do with character and the kind of images that you want to get. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me... I can't shoot like that. I like I, I don't rush anything. I'm always on purpose. But I shoot I don't shoot anywhere near as much as some digital guys because of the way that I come up, like in terms of how I, I you know, I just Yeah, can only put a hundred photos on, on an S D card. <laughs> but like I I can like so the way that I shoot, I can't have any thinking going on. Yeah. I, I can't be thinking that like I've only got so many shots. I can't be thinking like that. And also with me, I'm seeing what's going on. I'm not interpreting. I don't interpret anything. Well, I, I interpret everything unconsciously, but I don't go out with a plan. That can be misinterpreted as, oh, well, I'm trigger happy. But you'd have to see me shoot. I'm not trigger happy. So for me, I think, like... So, for example, you know that Hem Henri Cartier-Bresson way of shooting photography, mm -hmm. which I respect and I admire? That's not my way of shooting. I can't shoot like that. Because for me, anything, any picture that I've taken, I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm just trying to recreate what's gone before. I might not think that, sure. but I have. Mm -hmm. But if I'm thinking that all of my thinking is secondhand, the degree to which I'm present, like, you know, what I was talking about earlier about like being in sync with what's going on. Most people don't shoot like that. Most people are in their head thinking, right, where are the photographs? Where are the photographs? Where are the photographs? If they stop having that thought, they would see, they don't even have to go anywhere. There's photographs everywhere, right where they are. But most people are in their head. And what happens is anything that's born of thought is contrived. Sounds a bit heavy. Sounds a bit heavy. Yeah. It's not heavy. It sounds it when you're communicating that to someone who lives in that, oh, that's a bit heavy. Well, that's because you don't know the alternative, which is totally light. There's no thinking, and there's just photographs everywhere. I don't chase photographs, ever. Do you chase people? Because, like, for me when I'm on the street, like I'm looking for uniqueness, right? So whether it's an outfit, a hat, a jacket, uh, you know, a, a person, just like something that is unique, um, is something that yeah. I like, I'll latch onto, but like what, like for you, because it sounds like you're very intentional in your process. What is it that makes you press the shutter button? Well, it's definitely not bicycle mustaches and, and, <laughs> and polka dots. Like those are easy. Like I met some guys recently. They wanted to go on a street walk, and they took me. And they said, "Well, we're going to go to this thing. There's a color. Um, oh, there's like a little street thing going on in Shoreditch in London. 
and they were and people were all dressed up and i just thought oh, what's the point of that i'm not interested in that yeah like i'm interested in in no i'm not looking for that drama because that drama is what everyone sees mm-hmm. i i'm i'm now i do see that i do notice that i'm always moving in the direction of stripping all of that back i want because everything's beautiful if you if you're looking but everything's beautiful now this is the thing when we're in our heads we're interpreting well like, oh this is what makes a good shot that's not a good shot that's 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 an idea of what a good shot is for me most photograph most street photography like i look at it on instagram most street photography i want to say critical hopefully this is an observation <laughs> Or at least it's taken looks, that way. Looks the same. Because I'm the same. I'm the same. I am in my head a lot of the time doing all of that stuff, right? It's just moving in the direction of not doing it. But most of the stuff on Instagram, if I handed the camera to, say, uh, my mum, and I was going out with a, she could have got that picture. Mm-hmm. The reality, just she just don't bother taking pictures. Like, people think street photography is a picture of a person in the street. Well, it could be called that because it's street photography. But we know what we know what we're talking about when we say street photography. Has nothing to do with it. There's no thought gone into it, or no thought. There's probably too much thought gone into it. Or this is what how I should take a photograph. This is what it says in that book. Like it's very like I I couldn't shoot film because I'm not good enough. I, I couldn't shoot street photography and get on film and get the kind of photographs I want. I'm not good enough. Like someone like 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 Gary Winogrand. Like I can edge towards getting these kind of photographs on digital, but never do what he's doing on. Like my favourite photographer was Don McCullin. Okay. Anywhere near his stuff he got on film, I have to shoot digital. Hmm. I'd never be able. I, I just, if I was shooting film, I just, I'm not good enough to shoot film. I just not. I so I, selling... I, pull the, I shoot digital and pull the wool over people's eyes. <laughs> I think you're selling yourself a little short. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time. Well, over... I definitely I, I couldn't shoot my way though. Okay, that, that's fair. That's di- too... that's different though than saying that you yeah, I'm couldn't. Too stingy. Yeah, well, it's I'm too, stingy. too much money. Yeah, well, that's different <laughs> than saying you're not good, a good enough photographer to do it because there's no question that you're a good enough photographer to shoot film. There's part of your process that wouldn't translate to shooting film. Sure, fine, but like skill has very little to do with with shooting film. For sure. The, down, the downside of shooting film, though, and it, I hope it's not is negating I'm, is I'm broke. <laughs> no, the downside of, yeah, yeah, that's that too. But the downside of shooting film too early is that, well, maybe not too early. I don't know. Everyone's different. I don't know. I'm, I'm making these assumptions. But the downside for me is that my whole, dis- my whole, I, 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 I had, because of my age, I had to shoot film. Mm-hmm. My, I got a friend who's who's a wedding photographer, and he's an awesome wedding photographer, by the way, one of the best in the world. And his name's Fergeristi, yeah. And he's a he's a actually he's an awesome photographer who happens to shoot weddings. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with wedding photography, you understand. But some people have this thing with wedding photography. But he's an awesome photographer, just just full stop. But he shoots weddings, and I did a workshop of his years ago, a one day thing when I was like way back, about ten years ago, and he he um. I said, Fur, how many images do you shoot at a wedding? And he said, about 15,000. Wow. So after I did his workshop, I thought, I'm going to do a bit of the first stuff. I'm going to shoot as many pictures as I can. And then 
the wedding will be found in the culling of the of the images. Now, this is trying to shoot as many as I could. Do you know how many I shot? A thousand. Two thousand eight hundred. Yeah. I shoot at a wedding. I was in. I shot a wedding in Amsterdam a few weeks ago, and I shot over. I did a pre-wedding shoot the evening before, and I shot a whole bunch of street photography for myself. And I shot about 13, 1,400 images for the wedding. My couples get about 400 images, mm-hmm. yeah, because I passed it down. And then I, um, and then my street photography, See, whatever that was. That is, to me, remarkable because that shows a level of intent for what you're doing that for some reason when I have my digital camera in my hands, I have a hard time focusing because there's no, I don't, I think it's because there's no economic implication to what I'm doing. I can shoot 5,000 photos and it doesn't matter because it's on a fucking card. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredible. There's also photographs everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand this thing with, like I have no preference, really. Like I, I love New York, and it, I feel good because I'm in New York. But I'm not going to get any better shots in New York than I will in London, or, or even just down the street. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I, but, but I think I will because I. And also, when you're more, when you're excited, it's that thing again, John. When you're, when I'm excited, I see more. I see more. Like when, when I'm like in, in, like if you, like when I'm at home, like, so if you came into my living room at home, you would see things that I've forgotten about years ago mm-hmm. and vice versa. If I came into like, into your environment, there's stuff that you would have forgot about months ago or years ago, like, like you'd notice stuff. What we do right as people, even us photographers, like what we do, we, we go into a new environment and because we're uncomfortable, we want to make it as familiar to ourselves as possible as soon as possible. Like you go on holiday, vacation, right? Go on holiday for two weeks. Oh, where's the where's the bathrooms? Where's that restaurant? And then because we want to put it in the box. Mm-hmm. Once we put it in that box, we stop looking. We, we, we stop looking. So like in your house, like if you stop for a second now, like and look around, we you know like you you can you can see stuff that you've forgotten about. For like months, you haven't even taken into account because we should. That's what we do. Well, as street photographers, we shouldn't be doing that. Or as photographers, we should be constantly moving in the direction of of coming from that fresh place. It's difficult. It's very difficult to do. It's what all of those guys spend years sitting in caves, sniffing their belly button, doing all of that stuff. <laughs> Trying to get into that space. Yeah. You should come and do my workshop, mate. I'll, sh- I'll fast track that. You don't have to be going in no caves. I'll just shot people into it. <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> I, I really do. Um, talk to me about like how <laughs> your life impacts your art. Um, I know when I'm going through shit, um, whether it's a breakup, whether it's good times, bad times, my, my photography will directly like it be, it will reflect what I'm feeling. Um, in your own personal experience, how does your mood, how does what's going on outside of like the street or whatever you're shooting factor into your, your art process? 
I'll tell you one of my, yeah, one of my favourite filmmakers, a lot of people's favourite uh, uh, director, Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily my favourite film. Some of his are, some of his are, at least one or two would be in my top 20, maybe Pulp Fiction. But I remember him saying, like in terms of his writing process, and I think this applies across the board to any art form, is like how you're feeling on that day if you don't allow that to inform what you're doing, your creative thing, then you're not telling the truth. That, it might be that that's not a thing. I don't want to get too heavy with that. I don't think about that at all. But I definitely don't stand in the way of that, that happening. Not that I know of. Like, I'm sure it does. I've never looked at my, back at my work and said, oh, on that day I was feeling like that or... But photog- I'm a photographer. Like, I, 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 there's two kinds of photographers for me. There's the kind of photographer that only ever picks up a camera when they're working. Uh, the street photographer, Martin Parr, he's like that. He'll only ever pick up a camera when he's working. Um, my One of my best friends, my ex, Jesse's mum, Claudia, she, she's, uh, she really only picks up a camera when she's working. I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not being falsely modest. I'm not. I just can't. I, I'm, I've always got a camera to hand. I don't think there's probably not a t- time in the last 20 years where I've gone a week without taking a photograph. Especially now we've got these things. Like, Yeah. But, I, I, but yeah. Yeah, I don't mind taking photos on iPhones. I think, and I'm very similar to you, I don't think I'm a good enough photographer to not be taking photographs all the time because I don't think you can get better without practicing your art, right? It doesn't have to be photography. It could be anything. You're not going to become a better musician by not playing music. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with you a lot. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I've stumbled into this super late. Not late in life. I'm not that old. But like I've stumbled into this place at a sort of slower rate than most people who fall in love with an art. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, I think that informs my curiosity towards it, my passion towards it. Um, I think whenever you get an opportunity in life to uncover something that you're super, super into, um, it's something that's going to be a part of your, your daily life anyway. I think, you know, I think the age thing is overrated like i think it's a load of bollocks like i i I did a workshop in california and i met this girl donna she came and did my workshop when she was uh 71 wow the oldest person i've ever had at my workshop yes 71 great lady the coolest lady ever like she's actually best friends with johnny cash's stepdaughter imagine (laughs) that that's yeah my my link carter cash yeah uh, or, or very close friends of her. And she did my workshop. And she did her first exhibit when she was 73. Wow. Well, we have no idea when we're going to check out. Mm-hmm. People, we think, like, like, and also, like, I think if you can take a photograph, you can take a photograph. Like, I think a lot of it's to do with confidence. Like, I, like, and, and not confidence. I'm not talking about that, 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 that fake confidence where, like, walking a certain way. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about being a little bit more comfortable in your own skin. And I think as we get older, we are. And I think, like, for me, remember, I said that I've been taking pictures from a young age, but really, it was really the age 34, 35, when I really, for me, that's when I picked up a camera, really. Mm-hmm. I, I talk about, it sounds good, or I picked up a camera when I was 12, but really, 
I've never took a picture properly before I was 36, 35, 36. But I actually think if you're if you're going to be a good enough photographer, like, okay, it's like this. I don't think I learned much after the first year of really getting into photography. Like, in terms of how to use a camera, I don't think I learned too much. Mm-hmm. I agree. But in terms of the same, like, my portraits, I don't think, like... Well, let's take it out of photography. Like, you think of these musicians. Well, think of the Beatles. When was their best stuff? The first like Paul McCartney. Like, Paul McCartney's best stuff. I'm not comparing us with Lennon and McCartney. I'm just saying, <laughs> any musician like David Bowie, when was his best stuff? Probably earlier on. Sure. So what is it about? When you get to a certain age anyway, how much are you really going to learn? Like, you, you, you like... Like I, I, I was already, I already had a, a, a foot in the door anyway, because I'm a massive movie fan, mm-hmm. and I'd seen so much good cinema, mm-hmm. good, like, good cinema. That cinematography went in despite myself. Mm-hmm. It just went in. So people, people, sometimes like, uh, like I don't know, but there is a, there is an element of photography that like, I fought against this when I first started doing workshops, John. Like I was just like, I can teach anybody. I could teach people to the degree where they'll even make an half decent living out of it. Mm-hmm. But there is one thing you can't teach, and it, it's you can't really put your finger on what it is. It's just like I don't know. Some, do you know what a, a friend of mine said once? My friend Pat. He said, "Do you know what I think, Gal? Sometimes I think photography is about taste, and some people just ain't got any." <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny you know what i just like w- with regards to the age thing i uh i'm very mindful of the fact that i'm super young right like i know i have a lot of life in front of me barring me not paying attention getting smacked by a bus right i know i've got a yeah. long way to go um I think because nowadays so much of our lives are lived uh, for other people, right? Whether it's social media, whether it's fucking the Facebook of things, whatever. It's easy to feel like you're behind in some aspect of your life. Like, I'm not married. I don't own a home. I don't have a wife. Like, these are things that, like, you can look at and compare it to your peers and feel like everyone else is doing it. So I'm behind. So that's what I mean when I say, like, oh, I'm old. I came to this late. I wouldn't change yeah. anything about my journey, about my life. I think everything that I've experienced to date has brought me to this point, to this conversation, to everything that happens to me in the future. Like, it's not a fucking smooth sailing road by any means. Like, fucking A, life is a bitch. Like, it is not easy. Got headaches and bills and fucking all the shit that I deal with on a daily basis. But I wouldn't trade this journey for anything. Like, I'm incredibly lucky that I've been able to find something that I love more than anything else that I have in my life. Um, and I think that that's rare, right? I think it's very easy for a lot of people to go about a life that is very simple, very cookie cutter, very punch the clock, make myself some money and just not take any risks. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about that fear line, right? Like if you're not able to jump beyond the veil of, of pushing yourself out of your own comfort zone, whether it's artistically, creatively, or just in life in general, you're never going to be fulfilled. Absolutely. The thing is, I'm just going to turn this off to two seconds because I keep getting two seconds. I keep getting this. Sorry, John. Yeah. Quite rude. 
the thing is, um, I think as well, and I'll tell you what I have done, John. I got to the age of, this was, I remember it, I was in California, 2015, and I had this experience, and I would hazard a guess there's very few people that I know who I went to school with that have had this experience, where I ticked off every box, every box of everything I wanted to achieve, everything. I had everything. And it wasn't, by the way, it wasn't some big dramatic downhill thing after that. It was, it was just, there was an instance of me thinking, well, that was quite, uh, like, I, I remember that. I remember that as a pivotal thing in my life. The reason I brought this up as well, I had a discussion with someone about this a few days ago, about something that they were going through and about how they feel a little bit behind schedule. And it's important to have goals, I think. Why are we here? It's important to, because because you, you put a line in the sand, you, you, it's a measure of, otherwise, what are we, what's it all about? We're just sitting there flicking channels, aren't we? Like I, I've, but for me, it is important to ask ourselves as well, what is it we want by getting what we want? Like if you, so right, so people think like this, all of this stuff, I, I see it when people come and do my workshops. There was a period where I was shooting like about nine, 10 destination weddings a year. So I was traveling all over. And after a couple of workshops of doing that, that period, I realized that these people, they just see the picture on the beach. Mm -hmm. they, they see that's what they want. They don't, they don't, if they knew what that took, I, they might still want it, but they might not. Because the, the picture on the beach, that's just a few seconds. It, it's it's not that it's not worth it. It's just not what you think it is. Like I, And also, I think some people are cleverer than, than... like Some people hold on to their dreams and never go for the dream. Because I think unconsciously they know... Like, do you know what? The dreams that I've moved in the direction and I've accomplished... I'm glad that I did it. And it was quite monotonous, really. Hmm. Quite boring. Like, like sitting on the sofa, dreaming it up, feels good. But getting up and doing something about it, quite often you've got to sit at the computer, you've got to get on the train, you've got to meet people. You've still got to do the, the, the eight hours a day nonsense stuff, like walking to the toilet, walking, opening doors. All that. It's all still part of you. You're not doing that much different. But you're not. Mm -hmm. like I, and that's why I'm at this stage in my life. I was talking about this the, the other day with um, Claudia. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Claudia. Yeah. And she said, well, <laughs> said, um, and I said, life for me now is a bit of a game, really. An enjoyable game. I don't really care really too much what I do. I'm not really that bothered. Sometimes this kicks in my thoughts and I'm like, oh, yeah, if you put on this workshop in there. And, and then I sit and I think, actually, what do I want to go there for? What am I, do I want to go there? Or do I just, is there just like, do I just think I do? It's, I think it's great having those dreams, but I'll tell you what I do, right? Sit with them for a bit and play it out. Play it out what it's like. And then don't just say, right, I want, I want to do this, I want to do that, and then just go for it. What the fuck's that all about? <laughs> like, have a little bit of, like, do you know what? I'm quite happy with spending my weekends with the kids now. Yeah. I really am. I actually starting to like them. <laughs> <laughs> They're annoying kids, man. Only well, now. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm an uncle to five nieces and nephews. And uh, I joke often that I've always 
always wanted to be a father and have a family. And, you know, I've been an uncle now for six years and it's been uh, very eye opening. <laughs> yeah, just stay as an uncle, man. Just stay as an uncle. Yeah. And you can just sort of. It's a, it's a nice process because you get to enjoy it, and then when the meltdowns start to occur, you get to hand them back over to your to your brother and let him deal with it. <laughs> that's it. They're also great kids for learning how to take portraits. Yeah, that's how I learned to take portraits. I just use my kids, and like literally. And I've shot portraits for well, you know, I've shot portraits. I've, I've, I've you know Vogue magazine and stuff like that. I've done. I've, done, I've shot. Portraits for like musicians, bands, and stuff like that. Where I learned to take photographs was taking photographs of my kids. I love that. From a young age. Yeah. Because they never do what you want them to do. The models are easy, but kids, kids don't never do what you want. You have to bribe them and then you see you learn all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm 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 gonna be a little bit biased in, in what I'm about to say. I've I've enjoyed this conversation thoroughly, and I think you're like a very pragmatic um wonderful person um this is going to be a little bit of a hard question but you know you've you've had a very remarkable 20-year career so far give or take a couple of years um you make incredible images you're grounded you've got your head in the right place what like when you look at the rest of your life and how it unfolds like what is something that jumps out at you as like at the, you're sitting on your deathbed it's your last day and you're like yeah i fucking nailed it like what happens over the next 50 years, whatever. Um, and what transpires over that time where you're like, whew, I did it every way I wanted to. Like, how do you keep that mindset going through it? Well, yeah, 50 years is a long stretch, man. I'm just overestimating, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. This is going to sound, I don't want to. You know, when you hear them interviews and your people, people, he's just saying that for effect. I don't get that impression from you. I, I genuinely don't care, mate. Yeah. I don't care. Honestly, don't. I don't think like that. My mind doesn't think like that. I, I, I don't get into it. Well, I'll make something up then. You know what I would like? I would like. I genuinely don't care. I don't care. I, I, I like. First of all, that's a concept for me that, like, you know, we have this idea when we're going to die. Mm hmm. Like, you know, like my dad died at 33. Like we have this. Uh, my best friend died quite young. Like I, 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 we have this idea when we're gonna die. Yeah, it's gonna be before that time. You think always? Yeah, it, it will be before that. It won't be sitting by a swimming pool. Yeah, with your, you know, your new twenty-two-year-old bride <laughs> with like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, having won the Mega Millions. Yeah, twenty-four pack of Stella champagne or. It won't be like that, will it? It won't be like that. But the, I don't know. I think, oh God, I've got to say something. Of, I don't know. I just like, like, like if I'm on my deathbed, a few of me kids there, that'll be cool. Yeah. Actually, I know it's a bit corny, but I don't really, I don't care. Like this photography thing, like, who's going to remember this in like, but like, even if you become like a Van Gogh, you know, of, uh, like, um, and then you become famous, like you, you won't be there. Yeah, no, I won't be there. Yeah, it's funny. No, I'm, not, I, I'm not religious. I'm not religious in any way. So as far as far as I'm concerned, when you go, that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I don't really feel probably a bit more of an agnostic. I don't really think about that stuff. 
I don't think about it too much. You know, it's not it's, I don't, but I don't. It's funny. For a long time, the last question I asked people on the podcast was like, "What uh, do you believe in an afterlife?" Um, I ask that question a lot uh, for a lot of episodes. I love all that, though. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I think you reach a certain age, somewhere in your early 30s, uh, where what happens with the rest of your life is more or less in your control, right? Like you, you've you've learned enough about life where you can create things for yourself that you want, whether that's a family, a career, whatever, right? You've learned enough in your 20s to be able to put those life experiences into practice. Um, and for me, especially in these last two years, having gone through all of the shit that I've dealt with, with losing my job, fucking the pandemic, all of this stuff, it puts into perspective, like you said, when I'm not, when I'm checking out, the the only thing that's going to matter is the people who are around me. And that's what you learn as you get older in life, because those are the only things that are irreplaceable. It's time with your family and time with your friends. It's not that, it's not that important, photography. It's no. not that important. But even if it is important, like, so for example, say you become the most famous photographer on the planet. Well, is it, is that the most important thing though? I no. don't think it's still not the most important no. thing. It's photography. Yeah. We didn't even come up with Some geezer come up with this like a couple of hundred years ago. The thing with the afterlife thing, I don't not believe, like you can't believe something you don't believe. I used to believe it as a kid. I, I, I just, and I've no, like, I understand how people, like, I, I won't believe something out because I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Just onto it because, but I, I absolutely, I'm very, I, like, I've had some incredible, like what you would call, what would you call it? Like spiritual experiences of being connected, mm-hmm. like being like, where, where that, that, where I'm thinking, where almost like I know for sure that there's a certainty that when I die, it's all great. But there's not, Bert Lancaster is not sitting up there with a big beard waiting to welcome me. Yeah. I don't get up. Yeah. No, you know, it's funny. I, uh, my thought process ultimately, what it boils down to is like, yeah, I don't think there's like a big party in the sky somewhere and we're all just like having orgies in, in outer space or some shit, right? It's not like a party in a cloud, right? I think that when you look at like the the way that life exists and like how we are here having this conversation over zoom over billions of years of it's amazing and to me it's just like the sheer audacity that we exist is just too implausible to have not had some sort of divine intervention you could call it God, you could call it aliens, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't have the answer. I'm not going to pretend to, but to me, I think the thought that there wouldn't be anything when we're, when we die is just, it doesn't seem likely. I think there's just too much. Well, yeah. You go on mathematics statistically, if, like, if it's mathematics, every, so my experience of my life, my experience is that, um, well, it's proven that there's it's not it's not that we no i think the debate stops at like is there a conscious afterlife yeah like it, it, it i think it's scientifically proven isn't it that we don't we don't just evaporate we go back into well we merge with the false don't we yeah we go back into but in the film there it's a conscious thing that's the thing so but i've had experiences where i've seen that who I think I am 
Gary, like all of this thought stuff is not actually that how I live my day is that's how I think I'm Gary. But that ultimately is not who I am anyway. Mm-hmm. I can't be that because I can see all of that playing out. You can call it awareness or whatever it is. I see all of that playing out. You can't be what you can see. You can't be both. That's dualistic. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's something else going on. But the person that's stringing all it, the, the, the thing that's that's coming up with all of this now to communicate that with you is thinking. And I can see all of that. I'm not that. Mm-hmm. The person that's saying I'm going to go on or I'm not going to go on, that won't be there anymore. It just won't be. Yeah. It will It will just won't be. So for me, that's a certainty. That's a certainty. But the thing is... Like, oh, like people say, oh, I'm not scared of the luck. I am scared of it. I don't, but so? I can't do anything about it. Oh, yeah. You're still going to die. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel the need, I don't feel the need to, 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 to evaporate, to get rid of all of that. I don't really, I don't understand that. Like, the way that I feel is the way that I feel. I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. You can try, you can talk yourself out of it. Oh, when you die, when you die, but secretly, you know, you just come up with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You've seen someone else come up with it. Ooh, like, these people are very good actors, man, as well. Like, these confident people. And also, there's a little glitch in the Matrix where they articulate their way through life and they make a few quid. So that's an authority as well. We put And then we believe everything, everything they say. Yeah. They're all bullshitters as well. Yeah. Well, anyone who pretends that they have answers to those kind of questions in life are inevitably lying. Right. Until you die, you don't really know what the fuck happens. And I don't know anyone that has died and been like, yep, here's what happens. It's like, well, if you die and you come you back, know, I don't know how reliable that storytelling is. <laughs> we listen to this, these people say this stuff. Like, do you know one of my heroes of all time is John Lennon? Oh, yeah, of course. John Lennon. I would take a, a total bit of notice of anything that he said. He was a lunatic. Yeah. He's, he, well, he was a lunatic, was he? But he... It was. It was he, just. He, had ego and he, he knew he was being listened to. You yeah. can't listen to something like that. I, I, I don't really listen to anybody with that sort of. But I even say at my workshop, uh, and it's a tiny little workshop with like about the most I get in there is like twenty people. Yeah, like a tiny little workshop, and I always say at the beginning, and I'm, we're talking about photography, but there's a bit of life stuff in there. Yeah, there's a bit of life stuff, and I so always say to them, by the way. I'm going to keep you on your toes. Don't believe what I'm saying. And in actual fact, I'll throw in a few lies just to trip you up. <laughs> like with photography, you should do this. You should, oh, you, sh- you should, no, no, you've got to be your own, own. It's important to, to gather information, but man, look, I mean, look at the fucking state of the planet. Let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this, Gary. Uh... They have no idea. Yeah, I mean, we're fucked inevitably, but um, I will say uh, the force is definitely strong with you. I have uh, immensely, immensely, immensely enjoyed this conversation. And uh, I, uh, I've got a super cheesy line. If you've been on my podcast, you're part of my family. And uh, yeah, I'm just super thankful to have had this conversation with you. I, I, we're definitely going to be doing this again. I could talk to you for hours. Um, but yeah, I'm super appreciative that you uh, came on today and uh, just super uh, thankful, Gary, and uh, really wish you the best. And uh, we'll definitely be talking soon. You too, John. I loved it, mate. It was absolutely great. And I love it.